ladies, you like working, don't you? Of course you like working. Get back to the office. Because uh, that's basically what the entire messaging of society is. And every time that you make a TikTok saying, hang on a second, I didn't sign up to be a wage slave for the rest of my life while my ovaries start drying up and I never get to see the few children I get to have, uh, you can thank your feminist betters and uh, priors who made this the world possible for you. Uh, but before we begin, if you want to support us, go over to losis.com, sign up, watch the Battle of Blenheim, which uh, is an absolutely epic series of events and in no way connected to what we're talking about now. Uh, it's just a really good palate cleanser, some greatest English heroes in all of human history. English history, which is human history. It's the only bit of human history that's worth watching. Anyway, <laughs> go watch that. And so we'll begin, if we could, this is, no, no, next one. We'll begin with this. So I saw this going around, and I feel bad for her. Actually, I feel bad for this young lady. Let's watch. Whoever fought for women to get jobs. Why? Why did we do that? I am so tired. I want to just put my feet up. Like, I am... Oh my god. It's very performative. Yeah. Well, everything on TikTok is... Yeah. It's very hard to work out what's real. And I'm not even sure if that's real or not. No, but... Uh, there are lots of people who this resonated with. Yeah. Because I think there are lots of young women who are... I can tell you exactly why it did too, because there, there is a mountain of evidence why this resonated. Basically, early every time you have anything that looks like feminism, and the modern variety is only one example of this, it's existed throughout, any society with, that produces a percentage of women with reasonably high status going back to antiquity, you will see this pattern of behaviour. Some women don't enjoy parenting. They don't enjoy children. They don't find it fun. And they're not necessarily homosexual. I mean, obviously, you expect that with people who... Kind of inevitable with lesbians. It's kind of part of being a lesbian. <clears throat> it's also in the opposite direction, kind of part of being a gay male. Okay, this is, you get this cognitive crossover with, with homosexuals. We're 1% to 3% of the population, so you're not going to see this elsewhere. So you get a minority of straight men who absolutely do not want to be dads. Mm -hmm. They want to be playboys and they'll try and get away with it if they can. Yep. Um, and you will get a minority of straight women who do not want to be mums. They are career focused. And if they're of high intellect combined with disagreeableness, mm -hmm. you know, so we're talking Jordan Peterson's yeah, big, yeah, yeah. The big five here. Um, so you combine high intellect with disagreeableness, you get a desire to be a high achiever in the workplace. And the what, thing is, what percentage of women are those characteristics found in in conjunction? The the traditional argument that I have seen made made by people statisticians is that you get it very strongly in about ten percent and weakly in about twenty percent. So you're twenty percent of the women who might want one or two children, but mm -hmm. still are largely career focused. Sure. That is nowhere near the majority of women. No. But the thing is, your feminist movements inevitably are led by women of that type with, and this is the other thing, because it's quite depressing to understand, because women, because of intersect, female intersexual competition, straight women struggle with solidarity. You, you tend to finish up needing in these fem all female-dominated groups a reasonably disproportionate 
percentage of lesbians in there because they can do the male style trade yeah, u- traditional yeah, yeah. male style trade union type solidarity which is why you get so many lesbians prominent in feminism because mm-hmm. they need they need the blokey ones to run it yeah but basically, they're, they're, without it exploding but I, i've seen I mean, this video was just the most recent. I so could have, most women are like her. Yeah, they don't I, want a job. I, I could have gone back and found probably half a dozen other videos of you know reasonably attractive young women who are just like, I don't want to work. I want to be a housewife. I want to have kids. I want to. I want to just you know be a domestic goddess. I want to do nice things. Uh, and for that, they can literally thank uh, the suffragettes and the feminist movement. This is just from the Wikipedia page, which I just think is the most hilarious line I've ever read in my entire life, and tells you everything you need to know about democracy. Right. More American women organized against their own right to vote than in favor of it until 1916 when, of course, they were given the vote. Anti-suffragism was associated with domestic feminism, the belief that women had the right to complete freedom within the home. In the United States... 1916 is not when they got the vote. Americans were very late. Because feminism, in that uh, obviously there, there must have been a numbers flip in 1916 because the 19th right. Amendment went through in, I think... 1919 or 1920, you will have Americans who will say so. And one of the reasons why there were problems for feminism, this is very specific American history, is because they were associated with prohibition. And it was already becoming clear uh, as the 20s progressed and the period of of prohibition, it was already one of the reasons why feminism in the United States has has historically, particularly amongst black people, had a bad reputation is because it was associated with prohibition because white women voted where, uh, voted dry and where they had the franchise, which was mainly in the northern states, black men and immigrants voted wet. So that's why you had this sort of long period of conflict in the United States uh, over the status of feminism and the status of women. It's why American feminism has achieved nothing. Basically, abortion rights came from the oh, court no, in mean, America, whereas over here it was actual proper agitation sure. because women actually achieved things here for on their own behalf. As I mean, a group. it depends what you consider an achievement. I mean, if ruining the lives of Generation Z women is anything, then uh, they've achieved quite a lot. Well, I'm t- the, speaking in positive terms here. <laughs> but the but the point is, um, women have not actually overwhelmingly been on the side of women's suffrage and women in the workplace and feminism and female empowerment. Actually, most women kind of haven't. Uh, and they don't get to have a say. Going back to the article, right? in fact, sorry, no, they have an article about this that is essentially uh, a woman saying, yeah, you might be tired, get back to work. Uh, <laughs> the, the owner of your company's yacht is not going to pay for itself. We need you in those cages. Right? During 2020, when working from home became mm-hmm. a big deal, there is a TV psychiatrist who is quite popular usually in her presentation. Her name is Emma Kenny. Hmm. And she made, you know who I mean, and she made a point once on one of her shows, I think it was like Good Morning Britain or, you know, the kind of things that she goes on. She tries to keep it very light and bright. She said, if you are a woman with a job and a young child, there is no way you can get adequate sleep. The only way someone working can get adequate sleep, a woman, is either to, you can have the commute and no child and you'll get adequate sleep because you just sleep through the night and you just have to get up early and that's fine. Or you can have the child but no job and you will get adequate sleep. You cannot do both. It's actually impossible in terms of the way people's sleep patterns are. So she knows this kind of thing. It's totally true. I can see it firsthand. Yeah. 
it's just not possible to do. And she she maintained this is why support for lockdown and working from home was so intense among so many mothers of young children, because what they were doing during the course of 2020 and a significant part of 2021 was catching up on an enormous sleep debt. I mean, my, my, and I have never seen anything to contradict that claim, and I'm reasonably confident. Yeah. I mean, she's a careful researcher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my wife has a two-and-a-half-year-old and a five-month-old at home, and she has to have naps in the afternoon. Mm. She just doesn't have the – she's the one who gets up in the night to deal with them when they're upset or need bottles or whatever it is, right? Mm. But it's, it's just – you are absolutely right. There is just not enough sleep for a, a young mother, no. a new mother. You can do one or the other, but you can't do yeah. both at the same time. No, anyway, like, so let's sleep when the baby sleeps. That's when oh, yeah. you get a nap. Yeah. But the baby yeah. sleeps when it wants. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, so this is, I find this article fascinating, and I thought we'd go through it, right? Because it's got a lot of the sort of feminist fictions in it, but it's also just young women, just get back in line. We need you on the plantation. If you think that sitting at home while your husband goes out to work and you, you know, having a nice house and having some pets and having some babies sounds like fun, you're part of the problem, right? That's what this article is. They say, it's no secret that many of us would dream of earning a full-time salary without having to complete a strenuous day of work for eight hours, five days a week. That's literally what being a housewife is. That's literally what that is, right? Even if most of us were not required to work and did not make much money that we do at our jobs, it'd be nice to be able to kick our feet up and relax more often than we can imagine in current times. One woman believes, and that's the woman in the clip, that this lifestyle was once right at her fingertips before it was stripped away by women's rights activists in the 1900s. She reminds us that there is once a time when women were not allowed to work outside of their households, and she admits that she is more suited for that life than the one she's currently living in. Well, that's interesting, because it's also not true, right? I can scroll down on here. Um, we can actually see what the labor force participation of women was. Now, in 1940, say, 5, it was about 33%. Which isn't massive. And they would be the poor women. Because yes, poor they, women have always had to you've work. You've got to be careful yes. with 1945 as well, because you've had significant labor market recruitment throughout the developed yeah. world. And not not just in Western countries. I mean, the Soviets and the Nazis were doing it as well, even yes. though it was against Nazi policy because they had the whole This was specifically in the United States. But um, uh, so you get that because of the war. Yeah. But uh, but even then after the war, you can see that women, of course, were in the labor market. And women have always been needed to work because like you said, people aren't rich. And so they have always needed to work. So it's not like, I, I love the idea that they think there was some sort of law or statute that prevented women from working. I mean, you're a legal expert. What year did that come in? What you would get historically, it's always a bit, this is always a bit more complex, is that women would be denied access to the professions. And this is something that exists, has existed for a long time. Once again, in, in societies going back to antiquity, where you had societies where some women, it was always only some, had high status. Uh, for example, you had female advocates in pagan Rome. You even have a word in Latin for a, a barrister, advocata. Um, in modern Italian, there isn't, there wasn't until relatively <clears throat> recently a word for female advocate in Romance languages because they're gendered mm -hmm. in order to show an improvement in status for a woman is to give them a feminine form of the word. So women would be lavocato, so they would be referred to in using the male form, which is typically ending with a zero or the, uh, with an O, not, not always. Sure. So one of the things, for example, that you, you, when you know that politics or government has changed, one of the things, for example, that, um, that um, uh, you, one of the Christian emperors, Theodosius, did was 
took from female advocates the ability to have rights. Of that, that was going back a little further than I was expecting. But no, you you had this all through the 18th and 19th century is you had denial of entrance to the professions. The one historically that actually mattered was law. Medicine didn't matter. And the reason it didn't matter is because doctors used to kill more people than they they were butchers. But lawyers, I mean, there are two great ways of discovering the truth about something, the scientific method, which is relatively new, or the laws of evidence, which evolved in two civilizations and are a couple of thousand years old. Um, So denial of entrance to the professions, once again, for that group of 10 to 20% of women of high intellect and disagreeableness, really chase. It really grates on them. So they're the ones that ran these campaigns. So that's why you can often document very, very easily the first female barrister, the first female solicitor. That is why when they talk about denial of access to the labour market, they're talking about, they're not talking about being a washerwoman or a a cook or that kind of thing. They're talking about being a barrister. The labour market. Yes. So it was a status job. It's a status job, which is why we've got this weird situation where there's a a class of clever people of both sexes who effectively rule over us, you sort of the new elite. And they come from the same social class as me. I have to be completely frank about this, best to be honest. But then underneath the labour market is completely segregated into classic uh, working class jobs, mostly male, pink collar and blue collar jobs that are also segregated once again by sex. You know, the only unsegregated part of the labour market is the top 20% of it. But what, what the, the problem I have is that you're, as Nick points out, uh, speaking about um, very elite jobs that are at the top of society. Uh, I'm guessing that woman isn't doing one of those. No. And this is what they're referring to here is our oh, women were just not allowed to work. Even, hang on, hang on. Women were not allowed to work outside of their households. Nonsense. There's never been time. There's never been a law and it's never been possible because as Nick said, people are poor. Like you said, they need to be washerwomen. They need to be whatever. They even in modern times. Okay. She's may not be working as a cleaner or, uh, or a nurse assistant or something. Oh, she's working in an email. What, what if she's working in, in a call center? Yeah. I cannot imagine and I've had a friend go through this I've when he had a loss in status yep. and had to work in a call centre for News Poll in Australia, which is really the boring. Aussie equivalent of YouGov. It is the most soul-destroying yeah. job and it is very poorly paid. Yep. I worked in tech support. It's insanely boring. You know, why any woman would choose that over being a housewife is beyond me. Because of the continuous propaganda that's been pumped to them over decades. And decades. Uh, it's that's- not just propaganda, it's pressure as well. Rising house prices... Yep. Um, whole... decline in salaries. So you finish up, a, 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 and I don't mean yep. overall, but salaries are relative to the amount of yeah, money yeah, that you need yeah. to buy a house. Yeah. Um, so you've got the classic, not enough housing, decline in salaries relative, you know, you need multiples and multiples of your salary to buy a house. Uh, the the idea that a bank can take into account both male and female incomes, that was a uh, when when people apply for a mortgage. Yeah, that was something that Tony Blair introduced. Before Blair, it was you only could... You could only choose one of the two salaries, mm. and it was nearly always the male. Not always, but you could sure. only choose the higher of the two salaries. And so what you finish up with now is you need two people to mm. buy a house. And you actually, two, two people with a job isn't enough. You need yeah. two people with good jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, going back to the article, uh, we get to, so we're told a lie that women weren't allowed to work outside their homes, which is not true. And then they say, uh, well, working full-time is undoubtedly difficult and draining at times. The rights women have gained in the process are worth it. Sacrifice for us, we the elite class who have decided that your happiness was the worthy sacrifice to make, so we 
could get the job being a barrister or whatever it was that my forebears wanted that that I have access to. Which also means that you can what you finish up with is the posh woman yes. paying for the a poor woman yes, for effectively services. to raise her children. Which that is, has, is it's always why been. that is why the joke done by Matt the cartoonist in the Tory mm-hmm. graph during the um during the Brexit debates in 2019, where a posh couple and the woman says to her husband, oh, we sent our Romanian nanny on the People's Vote March. That is why that joke was funny, because it was true. But you, you can see here the exploitative nature of it. You've got young, normal women who are like, look, I actually just wanted like the dream of you know being a housewife in a picket fence house and you know sending my kids off to school and then baking all day or something like that. And this one was like, no, 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 the rights women have gained, quote unquote, are worth it. So now you get back in the wage cage and you sit there data entering or whatever it is you're doing that's exhausting you and making you really despondent and depressed. So just literally, you are the inferior class to these women. That's what is being It's said. a combination of a belief, a class distinction, always important in Britain. The other one is mistaking your own preferences for everybody else's oh, yes. preferences. That's, well, that's the other one, which is a different psychological well, we're watching. Phenomenon. We're watching a distinct conflict of this. Young women be like, this is not my preference to be the wage earner. And she's like, yeah, but my rights to be a wage earner is more important than that. So you can just suck it up. And what these women need to understand is feminism really is a trade, a trade union for other feminists. Yeah. But it's a, it's a yeah. trade union for a posh women. Yeah. yeah. Who are feminine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that, that's what feminists are, uh, yeah. is, is the woman. The credentialed you, class. You, you described. Yeah. The, the average woman on the street never identifies themselves as a feminist. Well, the, the big servation poll. Fawcett Society got an embarrassing result when they got Servation, who are famously the best polling company in Britain, in 2016 to uh, when you don't define feminists as legal equality between men and women. As soon as you define that, you get something like 90% agree, but even most Muslims agree with it. It's incredible. Um, But if you don't define it and just allow people to form their own image based on it, uh, I think uh, Servation found 7% of men and 9% of women. Would would voluntarily call themselves yeah. on average eight percent of the population. Eight percent of the population. Everybody else just takes one look at that and says you're all bonkers. Yeah. yeah well, the ninety percent of women are like, but I don't hate men. Yeah. That's yeah. the answer they give. But anyway, sorry. They say it's important to acknowledge that women once forbidden from having the financial independence that we do now. To which I have to laugh because now we're going to talk about women's financial independence. So let's talk how much taxes women pay, shall we? I, I mean, you're obviously not in this group. You are obviously a net taxpayer. Do you think women overall are net taxpayers? We have such, we are such net taxpayers, my partner and I. You know the bank that debanked Nigel Farage? Yeah, that's true. The yeah. same week yeah. that they debanked Nigel Farage, my partner got an email saying, asking, we have some investments, okay? But not enough for them to be dedicated to have for us to have a dedicated banker with them. Would you like to bank with us? You know, and we do this based on your net worth and so on and so forth. And basically, this led to an explosive scenes from my partner along the lines of, right, so you've been checking my social media activity and getting on property data surveys to find out what what we own, both individually and jointly and have decided that you're going to offer us banking facilities after debanking Nigel Farage and among other things the email involved 
you do know I vote. You do know we both voted for Brexit, don't you? <laughs> so you being a statistical outlier, I think, is uh, the thing to take away from this because I went through the charts uh, that the government give you of just total amount of tax paid by men and women. So the overall amount is 196 billion pounds, out of which women paid 56.7 billion, men paying 139 billion which means that men are responsible for 70% of all tax paid in this country. That does not surprise me at all. No. In fact, I'm surprised that it's as, as even as 70-30. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I thought it might have been 80-20. I, I think in the United States it's something like 80-20. Oh, it probably is. But the point is women are only paying 30% of the tax. And you think, okay, fine. I mean, if we were living in some sort of Lockean state that had minimal commitments then perhaps that wouldn't be a problem because women would have financial independence. They'd have their own money, they'd be working, blah, 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 except no, because of course we have benefits in this country. We have lots and lots of benefits. So last year, the UK government paid £231 billion in benefits. Where do you think that's going? Exactly. Uh, we know that uh, according to the UK government, women made up 56% of people on universal credit and claimed, uh, basically saying they claimed 56% of benefits. And well, universal credit's not a good statistic. Housing benefits the better one to look would, at in terms of a big hole in it, the it, finances. It would be, but even by this metric, uh, women as a class are seventy-two billion pounds in debt every year. They do not pay in any way. They're not even like halfway. They are massive deficits in the public purse. Uh, so I don't want to talk about financial independence. You aren't financially independent. You're massively dependent on men paying taxes. Let's make and sure also the phenomenon, and this is a somewhat crude Americanism, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not a swear word, but it is quite crude. They talk about with the breakdown of the contemporary family, instead of marrying a man, women marry the state. Marry the state. Yes. Yeah, so you've heard it as well. Yes. I, I, do, I can't remember which American said it, but it is a very witty line. And it's totally true, and we have the numbers. As you said, it's probably worse than I can summon here. But this was all I well, could find. Well, it also can be too, because Britain is a different country from the US and yes. has different labour market patterns and different yes. productivity patterns and that kind of but thing. But I'm specifically speaking to the British experience where um, men uh, are <laughs> literally getting into debt. I mean, women, women need to more than double the amount of taxes they pay to cover the uh, benefits they receive, at least. But it's probably worse. Anyway, going back. So uh, women's rights advocates had to continuously fight for equality you mean a special privilege, uh, given that just over a century, a little over a century earlier, married women had been given the grant to, uh, the granted the right to own property in their own name. To many, they were considered property themselves under the ownership of their fathers and husbands. Yeah, I wonder if it's anything to do with the debt. Um, even in today's workforce, women uh, still earn significantly less than men due to the wage gap. The wage gap exists because it's a motherhood gap. As soon yeah. as you control uh, no, 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 the no. childbirth... Uh, the, wait, the, everyone, the... everyone knows. Everyone knows. Right? <clears throat> everyone knows. But look at the frame. Sorry, I just hate statistical I fails. I hate e it. Everyone knows, right? But, but look at the way the frame. Women earn significantly less than men due to the wage gap. No, the wage gap is what you're using to describe the disparity between men and women. There must be some prior cause before that, before you can even describe such a thing as a wage gap. This is how bad this person's thinking is. Like the, the wage gap, that, as if that's a magic word that explains look, this I natural thing. I was taught labor market economics. By a socialist, mm -hmm. okay, and but he was an honest socialist. Oh, really? And that they, they do exist. Yeah, I was going to say the few and far between. 
And when we were taught the stuff, uh, and he he refused to call it the gender wage gap. He thought gender was a load of cobblers, like, and not being, he wasn't a turf. This is years before turfs mm. back in the 90s. Um, it was just, though, it, it's to do with sex and it's to do with women having children. And we just exhaustively went through, in this case, the Australian Bureau of Statistics data on point. And it's, it's, it is the most obvious thing in labor market economics. It is the most difficult to ignore. It is also the easiest to understand if you're one of those kids who's not, who didn't do brilliantly at your applied maths A level. You know, if you only got a C. I only got a C. <laughs> I was never into maths though. Um, but anyway, they, they carry on saying, look, basically the problem is women feel overwhelmed by balancing their jobs and taking care of their families. Obviously they would. Uh, 54% of heterosexual marriage households where both parents work full-time report that it's mostly the mother that manages the household and children's schedules as per pew. Yes, the husband's out earning the majority of the money and paying the majority of the taxes, as we've just covered. This could be a major factor contributing to burnout in so many women employees in today's workforce. That's correct. So one thing to do would be for them to not be in the workforce. That would be one solution. It would be, uh, as I discussed with Louise Perry on this point, because she talks quite a lot about it, mm -hmm. it would involve, there are policies you could introduce to deal with uh, aspects of this, like transfer between spouses of the personal allowance mm -hmm. or income splitting, which used to be an old policy that exists in Australia, where you split the higher income in usually the male, not always into two and uh, set, uh, you have state, you have to do state mandated structures to set up a separate bank account for the woman where basically he's paying, pay, pay for housework yeah. and then she leaves the workforce. That's known as income splitting. There are various policies you can introduce to help ameliorate this problem that would encourage family formation and would also encourage uh, women to be homemakers and probably happier. But you would have to get Treasury. You have to get it past Treasury, mm -hmm. which has built this entire structure based on mass labour market yep. participation to the point where, for example, education and the NHS, if you pull just 20% of the female labour force out of both schools and the NHS, you know, so even if only a, a, a fifth of women took up one of these opportunities, if you set your tax system up in that way, you would collapse both. Yeah. Yeah, we've made the entire system. This is we have made this. This is an enormously complex policy problem. And what I'm repeating to you here is basically what I told Louise Perry because she's identified it. And like most of the post-liberals, oh, yeah. she's not strong on policy. None of them are. No. Whereas I'm coming fairly typically out of the policy wonk classical liberal background, which is policy, 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 you, cost you, it all, cost right. it all, cost it all. We have created a monster. Yes. And I'm good at policy development and I don't know how you fix it because I don't know the howls from the treasury, my <clears throat> God. Well, that's because, you, like you say, you've literally created a monster that's conscripted young women and has conscripted generations yet to be born into paying for itself rather than it's them having their own It's a Ponzi scheme. The whole yes, of the yes. state pension is a Ponzi scheme. Yes. Current contributions are funding current entitlements. Mm. It's a literal Ponzi scheme. Yeah. And th this is why everyone complains, oh, Maloney has just opened the borders. There are 400,000 new immigrants. Yeah, because she got to the top of the Ponzi scheme and was like, oh God, I can't let this collapse. If I let this collapse, then I'm the one holding the bag. I'm the one who's allowed grandma to starve. I'm the one. And so they have to keep going. And so immigration will never end because the boomers want their pensions. It's taken 100 years to get to this state. Yeah. That is to, true, to Nick. That's, it, a, that's a fair... It will take another 100 years. If we yeah, you're taking it. the long view. I'm just sitting you there and... do it short. It'd have to yeah. take... Uh, well, it, it, can't be, it can't be done without the system collapsing, basically. 
so essentially, at some point, we're going to have to. You're going to have force. it'll probably it may happen in the US first, although it depends because there's still the global reserve currency. Mm-hmm. But the United States social security system may completely collapse. It's I mean you keep Oswald. seeing predictions of this amongst sort of libertarianish economics, but it's the classic case of economists have predicted the last 257 of the of the of three re- recessions that they're, they're just useless at forecasting. But the thing is eventually, and this is the line from Steve Davies at the Institute for Economic Affairs, is that eventually the merry-go-round will stop. Yes, has to. It has to. Yes. And this, this is what this person is trying to defend in doing all of this. But anyway, they, they, they say that basically men can start picking up the slack by helping out at home. They say, like, yeah, but you've been saying that for decades and that's not happened because it's just not natural to men to do that. Frankly, It's just true. Uh, and so you have to be a wage slave to make sure that the uh, commitments that have been made uh, don't go unfulfilled. 